Welcome to A Better Way with Real Estate, a podcast series hosted by real estate investor, Brian O'Neill. During each episode, we'll give practical advice for individuals and families navigating the many hurdles in the home buying and selling process. There is a better way with real estate that supports the goals and needs of your family, and we're here to help. Listen along as we help families like yours, one home at a time. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of A Better Way with Real Estate. I'm your host, Brian O'Neill, and today we are going to be speaking with Jeannie Cutler. I'm very excited about uh, this interview today. Uh, Jeannie was born and raised in Illinois, got her bachelor's degree from Trinity Christian, Christian College, her master's degree from St. Xavier University. She's dedicated her career to working with people with disabilities and the underserved. Currently, she is the executive director of Suburban Access and Open Access. She's a proud mom and grandma. She's also my mother-in-law, and that's a big deal. Jeannie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here today. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to talk about who we are and what we do. Yeah, me too. Uh, and today we're going to do something a little bit a little bit different. We normally focus on educating buyers and sellers, navigate through the many challenges around your primary residence. Today, I want to completely switch gears and discuss the importance of helping and giving back to the community. It's uh, one of your core values. It's something that I've, I've really developed a passion over the last decade or so, uh, being around you and, and, and your family. So uh, it's important to bring a, awareness to the services that you and your team provide and the people that you serve. So with that as a backdrop, um, I didn't do you enough justice on that bio. Maybe you could expand a little bit uh, on your background and how you ultimately uh, got to where you are right now uh, You know, in your, in your current role, please. Sure. As you said, I was born and raised in South Suburban Cook County. I've never lived probably 10 miles from where I grew up. Uh, I was raised by parents who uh, were very involved in the church and service was a big theme in our family for my brother and for me. Um, it was kind of the point of our lives. My folks started us very early on. Uh, we were raised in privilege. Our parents made sure we knew uh, that we were raised in privilege, that there were people who had a lot less than we did. And we were very conscious of that. And so mostly through our church, um, our parents started us very young in uh, service projects, um, which included things that I'm doing today, you know, helping uh, people who were hungry, helping people who needed clothing. Um, we got our hands dirty at an early age. And so I really credit my parents with sending me on this path. Went to public grade school, public high school. When I got to college, I my original plan was to either be a child psychologist or um, going to music therapy, working with people with disabilities through music. And then about my junior year in college, I saw an ad for a student worker at a state facility for people with disabilities. Uh, at the time, minimum wage was about $2.50. They were paying $5 an hour. Um, I worked 20 hours a week. <clears throat> and that was really my first entry into uh, working with people with disabilities. So that kind of changed uh, my path 
Uh, I went on to graduate school, got a master's degree in special education. And then uh, when my children were little, I stayed home with them. When they got into preschool, uh, I entered the workforce. I started um, as a classroom teacher for people with disabilities, moved on to uh, work in a residential program at a facility for people with disabilities. And then almost 29 years ago, I landed part-time at Suburban Access. I was there about 10 years and became the executive director. Wow, that's quite the that's quite the background. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, one of the Katie was on, and I, I know I'm going to mess this up, but Katie, your daughter, my wife, uh, was on episode number one, and she talked similar about uh, what you had discussed with your parents. You know, grew up in in privilege, but also knew the importance of service at a young age. And I know I'm going to mess this up, but it was something to the effect of your service stick better be pretty dirty or, or something like that. What can you hear exactly what yeah. it was? Your rag better be dirty. Your rag so, better be dirty. Uh, yeah. So when you go out and, and raised um, Katie and her brother, Nick, uh, the same way they, they served on um, a lot of mission projects, um, community projects and yeah, get your hands dirty. Um, everybody likes to do, a photo op today for service projects. You know, we get a, a lot of people that want to volunteer um, because it's the right thing to do, but a lot of people like to come for 10 minutes, um, you know, and, and do the photo op and post it on social media. Um, I was raised and hopefully raised the kids to say, no, you, you got to get your hands dirty. That's what it's about. I agree. Totally. And let's talk a little bit further about you're the executive executive director for Suburban Access and Open Access. So for the for the listeners, what is Suburban Access? Who do you serve? And, and you know, talk a little bit about about uh, some of the stories, if you could. Sure. Uh, Suburban Access was formed in 1989. Uh, there are currently eight organizations like Suburban Access throughout the state of Illinois. Our organization serves all of South and West Suburban Cook County. And the purpose of our organizations is to be the system point of entry for the state of Illinois for people with intellectual disabilities. And an intellectual disability is really um, when a person has limitations in their intellectual function and their adaptive behavior. In the past, we called it mental retardation. Now we call it intellectual disability. So when a person needs service, um, we're the gatekeeper. They come to us first. We make sure they're eligible for services. And then we have a conversation and we develop a plan on on really what their life goals are. If they want to live in the community, if they want to work in the community, if they want to stay at home and get in-home services. So we link our folks with the services that they need and desire. And then once they're in those services, we monitor the provision of the service. And through Suburban Access, we work with about four to 5,000 individuals a year. And that program, those programs are funded completely by the state of Illinois. So about eight years ago, I talked to our board. We're run by a board of directors. And just talk to them about the disparity I saw between our very wealthy communities and our underserved communities. And really, you know, 
how could we address the need apart from suburban access? So about seven years ago, we formed open access specifically to fill the gaps in our underserved communities. There's a lot of organizations that do great work, but we really wanted to fill in the gaps. And one of those gaps we saw was food. About 50,000 people in our communities live in poverty. About 20% of people in our community live with food insecurity, meaning they don't know where their next meal is coming from. So that's really um, what our focus is. So about seven years ago, we started with Lofty Goals and we fed 100 families at Thanksgiving. And we thought we were really filling a need. And the demand for that was so great that seven years later, now we're feeding a thousand families or, you know, close to four to 5,000 people. We also have a backpack program where every week we fill 35 bags of groceries for families. Um, We bring them to local school districts so that kids can bring food home for the weekend. We know a lot of our families um, go to food pantries but it doesn't always last. And so what eats at me is that any child uh, would go to bed hungry. It just shouldn't happen in our community. It shouldn't happen in the United States. And so um, it's, it's a way that we can just ensure for kids in our community um, that they don't have to worry that no matter what, they can go to their pantry and they can get something to eat. Yeah. That's amazing. So I to take a minute to stop. I mean, seven years, you've feeding 10 times the number of families from, from, from the first day. Can you go back, please? And you said 50. So this is, I'm a, this, you serve South and West Suburban Cook County. Mm-hmm. 50,000 people in your community are, are in poverty. Is that what you said? Yes. And, and about 20%, 20% live with food insecurity. So 10,000. 10,000 people, right. 10,000 people don't know where their next meal is coming from. And right. that's just in not, that's not even all of Cook County. That's one section of Cook County. Correct. Correct. Yep. And so, you know, we started with um, Thanksgiving and then we moved into um, positioning clothing closets in our local communities. And we had, uh, Pre-pandemic, we were running four closets in addition to a closet we have at our location in Homewood. And that gives families an opportunity to come and pick up clothing, toys, um, small household items, toiletries are a big deal. Um, So through the clothing closets, we were serving about 250 families a month. Now Mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're kind of we have to kind of pivot now because of the pandemic, um, how, how we're doing things, but we're optimistic that we can get that ramped up again as well. Got it. And I've seen the closing clothing closet and you could simply just come into the office. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You can walk into the office and uh, get a bag and, and, and basically for lack of a better phrase, go shopping for whatever that you Absolutely. need. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, there's there, there's no cost to any of our families. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-pandemic, uh, at Thanksgiving, we opened the closet in our building. People would come and get uh, their food, but then they could also 
take clothing. We had a huge room um, for toys. It was really fun to let the kids loose in the toy room and yeah. they could take what they wanted. You know, one, one, one time we had the opportunity to see a little guy get his first bike. Um, again, things that we take for granted and, you know, just the joy on this little guy's face when he walked out with a shiny bike. You know, we've had families at Thanksgiving tell us uh, we weren't planning to have a Thanksgiving because we didn't have food. And so because of your program, you know, we're able to have a Thanksgiving celebration. Again, things that we just take for granted. Of course, we're going to get together with our family and we're going to eat and have a wonderful day. And we often don't think about what other people in our community are doing on that day. I think you're a hundred percent right when you say that. I'm probably guilty of that. Um, the The bike story hits home because my son has uh, two of them in in the garage, and uh, you know we joke about that, but it's 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 serious. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. need who 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 would love to have a bike or one toy. Um, now. Correct me again, please, if I'm speaking out of turn here, the funding for open access, that is, if not 100%, largely comes from from donations. Yes, it is. It's 100% donations. So, you know, we operate on a a shoestring budget. Um, We're careful how we shop for food. Um, We have some really good community partners for our Thanksgiving event that will collect food for us, my church. Um, collects a thousand boxes of stuffing. So we do have some really great community partners, but it is 100% donations. So, which means, you know, I'm on the stump pretty much uh, year round. Yeah, absolutely. You're helping a thousand families at Thanksgiving. Uh, Ideally, how many would you like to help? How many do you need to help? It's, uh, you know, one, one year we did, uh, 1200. Yeah. Logistically, if I could do it, I would serve 5,000 to, to feed a thousand families, uh, is about the cost is about $25,000. So, uh, you know, if you doubled that, you know, now we're at $50,000. So it's, uh, not easy. No, it's not. I'm sure it wasn't easy to go from a hundred to a thousand, but you did it. And, um, you know, uh, it's because of your now, I think I know the answer, but I want the audience to hear it. I mean, why does this matter to you and why does it need to matter to a lot more people beyond the photo op opportunity? Right. Well, I think the older I get, the more important it becomes because as you age, you become reflective, right? And so you look back, um, your time behind you is greater than the time before you. And so I just really think about um, what is our purpose? I mean, why are we here? It's uh, great to think we're here to have a career, to have a family. But if you dig a little deeper, you know, what is the purpose of our, our 80 years on this earth? And I believe part of our purpose is to ease the burden of our fellow man and women. I mean, it's just that simple. If that's not what we're doing, then why are we here? Because certainly we can make money, we can accumulate things, 
But in the end, those that's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter. But if we just through our daily interactions can touch somebody else's life, I truly believe that has a ripple effect. Um, it can be as simple as how you talk to um, the cashier at the grocery store. Um, you, you can change somebody's day. And again, it ripples out. And I just think that's our purpose. I can't think of any other reason why we would be here except to live in community with one another and ease each other's burdens. Well said. Uh, well said. And I, I, com- I completely agree. You can't take all this stuff with you. Right. right. Yep. No U-Haul behind the hearse. <laughs> no U-Haul behind the hearse. No. And, you know, that's something that I have certainly had the privilege of, of witnessing over the last, again, 10 plus years coming to some of these events, your, your, your golf tournament. I mean, pre-COVID, we were having the golf tournament every year to raise, to raise money and to hear some of these stories about the folks with intellectual disabilities that you've been able to help through the exercise program. I mean, that, that has always, I've never forgotten that, like how excited they were just to be able to have somewhere to go work out. Right. And again, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, it just made me like, wow, I, I'm complaining about the most silly things in, in my mm-hmm. personal life, you know, when, when, when they can, someone can be this excited about, like you said, having a bike or being able right. to work out and not be on their meds anymore. I mean, it, it just, the, the, the stories are, you have, but you do, like you said, you have to get your hands dirty. You have to get in there and see it as opposed to just the photo op and, you know, I have had the privilege and I don't do it enough and I'm definitely going to do it more. I have had the privilege of coming to your Thanksgiving event and seeing that firsthand and seeing, you know, the people that come to get their meal. And it, this isn't, this is real. This is real life. You know, they're, they, they need this stuff. They need this food. They need this clothing. They need the, they need these items that you and your wonderful team provide. Right. Right. And I, you know, Brian, I, not everybody has the luxury, I call it a luxury like I do, mm-hmm. to be able to work in this field and and kind of blend their personal drive with their professional career. But everyone can serve. Everyone can give. Um, you don't have to have money. Um, you don't have to have a lot of time. But everyone can give. Um, we all have clothing that we don't wear anymore. That doesn't fit anymore. Everyone can buy a canned vegetable. Um, you don't have to make it your career like I did, but I really would encourage people to make it a part of their life. And what I found over my years is that when I'm closed fisted, life doesn't flow as smoothly. But when I open my hands and just give, 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 it comes back to me faster than I can throw it back out. And I would just encourage anybody to try it. Again, even if it's a kind word, if it's uh, routinely uh, donating your clothing, picking up some food for your local food bank, I would encourage people to just give it a test and see how it will change their life. Yeah, I could attest it. It absolutely will. I mean, the more you give, the more it comes back to you. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, monetarily, um, you know, just right. 
there there's a there's a feeling that's associated when you when you when you you know give and and these acts of kindness and you're thinking unselfishly and right yeah i mean i think that's really what you're what you're referring to um because there is a there is there, there is plenty of good that comes out of out of doing this you know and and like you said it doesn't have to be money everyone's got clothes mm-hmm. you don't have to sell them on the internet or Either you know a garage sale kind of t- give them away Exactly. You know, contact your local food bank and volunteer an hour a month. I mean, just you can start small. Yeah. Um, but I I will guarantee it will change your life. And I, oh. like I said, I'm just so fortunate I get to do it every day. You know, sometimes I can't believe I get paid for the job that I have because it's it's part of who I am. And, uh, and certainly it is continuing the legacy of my parents. And I see, you know, you doing that with Will. And I think that's, you know, another point we have to start our kids young, um, thinking about service and, and thinking about their privilege. You know, so many of our families, and this kind of ties into what you do, Brian, a lot of our kids live in what, what's called temporary housing. They live with an aunt. Their family lives with grandma. Um, they move a lot, and they don't have a home. And you know, I was kind of raised in an era where people were told to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And you know, I heard a, a an interview with Martin Luther King Jr., who said, "You can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps if you don't have boots." And it's very hard for families to um, establish generational wealth. And I'm not talking wealth, you know, in a huge manner, but home ownership gives people some generational wealth. It gives families an asset that they can pass down to their children. And so many of our families don't have that opportunity um, through no fault of their own. And so I think what you're doing, Brian, with your company is giving some people an opportunity to get into that that lane um, where they have stability, where they have a home that, you know, eventually they can call their own, where their kids have stability and where it can be um, passed on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the, the giving piece, you know, I, I certainly didn't get into the real estate business with, with the sole intention of giving back to the community. It worked out that way. I mean, ultimately this is what I wanted to do, but when I had some personal experiences with, again, you talking about, I grew up similar to you privileged and, and, and so has, and so has will you take it for granted. I never, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've bought several houses in my life. I've never really gotten emotional about any of that. Was I excited to move in right. here with, with Katie? A hundred percent. I've had people I've given keys to that are crying. It's just, you, you don't Absolutely. Can't understand what it means to them until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Or in some cases you said, you know, maybe they didn't have any. Right. You know, in, in going back into history, when slavery was abolished, Slaves were supposed to be given 40 acres and a mule, but that didn't last. So here you have a whole group of people who virtually had nothing. And, you know, my grandfather immigrated 
uh, from the Netherlands Mm -hmm. and started a small business, a funeral home and a furniture store. But he had, nobody does it themselves. You know, you hear people say, oh, they're self-made. Nobody does it themselves. You know, he had the opportunity to go to the local bank and get a handshake loan. Um, he had people in the community that were building the infrastructure, the roads, the sewers. Um, we can't do it alone. And there is a whole group of people who for generations have never had the opportunities that we have been given. Um, so I think what you're doing is, um, just another piece of service and, and making life better for people. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I, I, I've, again, I've learned a lot of it from watching you for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's been certainly a pleasure uh, doing that and, and something that you've reminded me of the purpose. You know, there's got to be a reason why we're here. You keep talking. You mentioned you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And I know you can't either and you don't. So you've got an amazing, you got there, right? you've got an amazing team and maybe talk about your team for a little bit on both sides, suburban access and open access. Yeah. Um, open access is a really a two or three person show. Mm-hmm. It's Nick, my assistant and me. And so that is a small group mm-hmm. suburban access. We have between 85 and 90 employees and a leader is only as good as their team. Um, I am only as good as the person who cleans our building. And I believe in servant leadership. Again, going back to, I'm not going to ask my staff to do something that I wouldn't do. Um, And we, nobody goes into this field to make money. um, That's for sure. People go into this field because they have a passion uh, for service. They have a commitment to people with disabilities but you don't go into this field to make money. So the team that I have um, are just an amazing group of dedicated and driven people to um, make the lives of people with disabilities better. And, you know, some, some of my staff have been at the agency as long as I have. When I started, I think there were maybe 10 of us. Uh, so we started with a really small group. And then as our catchment area expanded, the agency expanded. And so, you know, now we're at about 85, but um, just a a tremendous team of committed people. They are the real heroes in this world, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yep. You know, as like you said, they're not in it. They're not in it to uh, for for, for the money. They're in it because they truly believe in it. And I had the pleasure of seeing that firsthand. And it's legitimate which is great to see. And then you have a bunch of volunteers, I would assume as well on the, open we do. Platform. Yeah, we do. We have a, you know, I, I belong to a number of service organizations and have kind of linked them into mm-hmm. um, our program. So I belong to uh, Homewood Rotary, which is a service organization. They'll come in and pack groceries. Um, they're just, again, community minded people. Um, a lot of our vendors, a lot of the people we do business with um, will come in and uh, have a service day. Uh, we've had our local Starbucks folks come in and sort through clothes for us um, through through their company. So um, community volunteers are 
what it's all about, especially for open access, because the three of us can't do it all. No, I was about to say with, you know, uh, what you're doing, what you're doing with the family, the thousand families and the 30. I mean, there's a lot of volunteers, obviously. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen it firsthand, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm sure you need more. Uh, how can how can someone get I know there's many ways, right? But how can someone get involved? You've touched upon it throughout this interview. But, you know, how can how could someone start even if they don't necessarily know where know where to go? Like they maybe they have a burning desire to do something like this to give back, but really don't know what to do. Well, I as I tell everyone, even people I meet in Walgreens, Mm -hmm. you can call my cell phone 24 seven. So, Brian, if you want to put that number up, people are free to email me. Um, We have a website and I think you'll post the website, but it's. Hope starts within.org. But yeah, I'm I'm always available and, and more than willing to talk to people about service and, and not necessarily with our organizations, but I could help people get linked to um things that they're passionate about. You know, maybe it's um breast cancer, whatever. Um, I can help link them to organizations that could use their support. Love it. We'll definitely put that link in the in the show notes. And then what if someone because you know, we're 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 approaching Thanksgiving and your annual uh f- your annual uh food drive here. And what's the goal this year? Is it a thousand or do you have a different goal? It's a thousand. A thousand. Okay. So the, tur- the turkeys have been ordered. The turkeys have been ordered. Okay. Got it. Yep. Now you're you so we're you're, committed. You're committed. You're committed. So it's a it's a volunteer situation. And then it's also a donation situation. Like we're accepting, you're accepting both. Do they go to hopestartswithin.org or should they go somewhere? Yes. Yeah, they can go there. There's a donate now button. Um, It's about $25 to feed a family. Um, So any donation is welcome. Yeah. It seems like a no brainer. So, and then uh, as far as coming uh, as well, I know we have the pandemic going on here, but is that something that you, you know we can have people come out as well and and help because that you were literally taking the boxes and and loading them into the onto the you know, vehicles as they come to get their get their turkeys sure. their meals. Yeah, if anybody wants to volunteer prior to the day to pack mm-hmm. um, and to help us with logistics or on the day, again, they can just uh, give me a call or email. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is great. I mean, I love this conversation. Um, you know, you've, uh, I don't think I've said this to you many times over the time I've known you, but you've always been super inspiring to me. I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, Will, your, your role, role model to Will, you and Papa as well. So it's, it's just, it's great. It's great to watch. But before we wrap up here, was there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Maybe there's a specific, uh, you know, story that you wanted to, to to share with the audience. I just want to make sure you got it all in. I think we got it all in, Brian. Okay, good. I will end with a I will end with a quote because I'm kind of um, the quote queen. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And that is a quote by Margaret Mead. Well, I love it. That's a great way to end it. And now I have a new nickname for you, the quote queen. And uh, that's awesome. So thanks. I know I'll be seeing you again soon. 
thanks so much for being on the show. This is uh, this is this is good stuff, and uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Better Way with Real Estate Podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you left us a rating and review so we can continue to help you and others navigate the many hurdles of the home buying and selling process. Visit bkwpropertysolutions.com to learn more. And remember, there is a better way with real estate.